When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emmett Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And you're welcome to the Final Furlong Podcast as we look back on the weekend's action and particularly an emphasis on a superb classic victory in the company of multiple Group 1 winning uh, rider, uh, Royal Ascot's leading rider last year and the reigning champion jockey, Oshin Murphy, is back with us on the Final Furlong. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Hi, Emmett. Thanks very much uh, for having me on. Lots to chat about. There was some brilliant racing over the last week or so. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, first question for you is, did you enjoy your time with Sky? I did. I only did six hours in the whole week, uh, but it was great that they took me on and I had a reason to be at Royal Ascot. I hope that people enjoyed uh, the little bit of insight I, I kind of gave. I thought you raised the bar there. Uh, to a whole new level and the interview that you did with Alex by the way where uh, you, you spoke about what's gone on in the last year was very very impressive um, I kind of wanted to say to you initially that it's it was very emotive but I was I was amazed at just how strong you were on camera you didn't break uh, but you were remarkably honest and that's a very very brave thing to do and it will help other people believe me I know, I hope so. Look, uh, you know, I suppose it has got to a stage now. I've been off quite a long time and I've accepted um, the suspension and, you know, the difficulties I uh, faced and and created for myself also um, over the last few years. So um, I was, you know, happy and keen to give an insight, really. Well done. And uh, if there was one criticism... It would be that they didn't use you more. Uh, <laughs> in, when I came off TalkSport, I was watching both ITV and Sky, and I thought you were excellent. Uh, I really oh, you're kind. So, oh, well done, mate. Well done. Uh, it's all these final foreign podcast hours you're, you're racking up. Absolutely. You're getting all the experience in. But no, seriously, like the very fact that you're even coming on here and going to break down the Irish Derby and uh, True Shan's victory for us, uh, amongst others, and, and talk about... Frankie de Tory watch. Do we have the special effects there? No? Oh, we'll have them later on. <laughs> um, it is, is tremendous. And uh, it, uh, can someone get a, a cream pie and put it in the face of that journalist who wrote that opinion piece for The Sun? I know, I know. Screw that guy. Jeez. <laughs> we want more Oshin Murphy. Not What's he supposed to do? Yes. What are you supposed to do, Oshin? Sit in the corner wearing the ball boy's hat for the rest of the year and contemplate yeah. what's, what's going on. That uh, we want your insight, and there's no rule to say that you can't do this. So happy day! I I think it's it's terrific you're doing it, and um, 
Yeah, we'll we'll get to talk about some of your show jumping as well because there's a horse <laughs> who, there's a horse who mimicked a dressage uh, performer before a start at, at the Curro. So we'll chat about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like they did attract a decent crowd. I don't have the actual crowd numbers. Tuala's going to get that for me in a second. I forgot to, to pull it up. So um, she's going to scarp her off and, and do that. And, and as she does, Westover wins for Colin Keane and Rafe Beckett. Or, as the commentary says, Ralph Beckett. That's now there for life. Um, yeah, um, he doesn't like being called Ralph. He uh, does not. I, no, no. Um, I call him Rafe. Um, it was... That horse is remarkable. He's improved so much with every start. Uh, he definitely enjoyed the Curra. And I think if he improves another tiny bit, he could be a real superstar. I mean, to win a group one by seven lengths, I felt like Pisbadil is a decent horse and offered a good form line to the race. I was impressed by the horse's attitude. And Colin gave him an uncomplicated uh, but perfect ride. And, um, yeah, it was, it's lovely to see a race of the Irish Derby's uh, Derby, Irish Derby, we say Derby sometimes, and um, that sort of uh, standard being won impressively by a, by a really good horse. It's it's good for the race and it's good for the people watching. I didn't agree with Rob Hornby's assessment that he was unlucky, um, and so I, I read him completely wrong going into the race. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Pisbadil, as you know. I couldn't believe yeah. he went off 18s. Um, everything else we talked up on the final furlong shortened dramatically. This fella goes for a walk in the market. Uh, but he, he is a derby trial winner, and uh, Donica was absolutely adamant he didn't handle Epsom. So he was 9-1 to one for the derby. He goes off 18s for this. I don't really understand yeah, that. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Uh, yeah. Given the manner, though, of, of Westover's performance, if... Epsom is a fairer track. Maybe he does really challenge Desert Crown. And if Desert Crown had come over for this race, it would have been a fascinating battle between the two. Uh, he was so yeah. he was so good here, Oshin, that I, I know there's been talk of the St. Ledger for him, uh, and Hurricane mm. Lane won this race and then went on to win the St. Ledger. But I'd, I'd go for the arc. I, I'd be... Because, you know, the second a horse enters the, the gate for the St. Ledger, that is it. Game over at first stud. You're a national hunt stallion. Um... <laughs> You know, I, I point at point to you. I bring to you Crystal Ocean. Uh, you know, ten, yeah. ten furlong group performer, a proper Group One winner, National Hunt Stallion uh, at Coolmore. Yeah, so he has covered a lot of flat mares as well. Um, I I tell you, I I think Westover would be an obvious horse for the Saint Ledger. I don't feel he has as much pace as Desert Crown. I feel like uh, Desert Crown is is would have no problem nat naturally coming back to a mile and a quarter um, whereas I feel like Westover probably uh, might even improve um, for going a mile six but I agree with you uh, the arc would be an obvious race for him I mean the way he hits the ground you think autumn ground in, in France would suit him and obviously it's the one race that everyone if you have a decent um, staying type of horse or middle distance staying uh, type of horse you want to go for for the arc in, at Longchamp in, in October. But um, I, I was just very happy for the race. I think they're two very good horses, but for me, Desert Crown has more speed than uh, than Westover. And we're going to see Desert Crown in the King George, and we might see the source in there as well. Um, that would yeah. be a good test for him. That would be a good idea to figure out where exactly they are. If he gets close to Desert Crown again, I think there's no problem and then rolling the dice from the desert crown is definitely going for the arc so sure why not 
aim in that direction. But if you want to go and take another classic, I could understand why you would go for, for the St. Ledger as well. Um, yeah. I, I suppose in flat racing, my brain is always thinking about... Uh, you said one day here on the show that your your little mind was trying to contemplate something. And ever since you said that, that's that's been something that I keep saying now. My little mind is <laughs> struggling with this. Um, and your brain is a whole lot bigger than mine. Uh, uh, no, no. But uh, I... I do think about a horse's second career uh, on on the flat, and and so I suppose that was in the back of my mind with the Saint Ledger. But it, look, if he goes there, it becomes a fascinating race, particularly if uh, Roger Varian's Royal Ascot winner, um, Elder Alderov, if he's going, uh, the the Queen's Vaz winner, um, yeah, and uh, changing of the guard may very well end up there too. So it it becomes an intriguing race, but. Uh, I would always be looking at, at the at the arc for him. Um, uh, obviously, the, the Curra is a much fairer track, and, and he's absolutely buried the opposition here, and it's an example of just how good the Curra can be for races like this. Uh, Pisbadil ends up being beaten quite a long way. What yes. would you do with him next? I, I thought it was interesting what Donica said afterwards. You know, like he might come back to a mile and a quarter. I don't think they'll be in a rush um, to make any decisions with him, you know? I was thinking about um, the the Grand Prix de Paris. Would you go for that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a race that probably isn't as difficult to win as some of the other uh, Group One three year old races. It's it's the old French Derby. Obviously, the Prix de Jockey Club is a mile and a quarter and a little bit now, and that's the new French Derby. But um, you know, it still takes some winning, and and uh, and yeah, it. it Sounds like a good idea. I mean, Don, I feel for Donica because uh, his horses seem to be in very good form. He's had so many seconds uh, this year. And, you know, you convert some of them to first and uh, everyone thinks you're on top of the world, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's the bounce of the ball. Um, but, you know, to his credit, they're performing well. It's just a matter of whether or not they can actually hit the hit the winner's enclosure, but I think it's only a matter of time before there's a, a first beside Pisbadil, but it was striking how far Westover pulled clear of everything else, uh, which brings me to Tuesday. It was a, it was a funny race tactically. Um, yeah. In that those who were up at the pace, they they were the ones who have ended up finish, fighting out the finish, and those who were trying to come from off it couldn't do it. Um, Tuesday was a, a good bit back, and and maybe Ryan Moore didn't expect the race to play out in the way that it did, but it, well, it was a funny was run race. It was interesting to hear Aiden's comments that perhaps he uh, gave Ryan a little bit of the wrong information. Um, I read uh, somewhere that in an interview um, he he said that perhaps they got it wrong, um, which is lovely, you know, from Ryan's point of view and everyone else's. It's it's nice when the trainers uh, kind of on your side, and it doesn't really matter who was to blame um, and perhaps you know she's had a few hard races and perhaps she wasn't at her best um but you know it's refreshing to hear those comments from from uh, from Aiden you know very much so it, it also just goes to emphasize while Aiden O'Brien will heap praise on everybody else in his yard when he wins and sometimes that irks people cuz and I don't understand why by the way I don't understand why you yeah. have a problem with the best trainer in the world wanting to compliment his his staff at home but it just I agree. Yeah. which is good to know but it, it further emphasizes the fact that anytime something goes wrong Aiden takes the blame nine you know yeah. more often than not he would he I can't really remember maybe the Spencer year uh, where he would have a go at the jockey uh, he just doesn't do that 
Uh, whereas, which which is in stark contrast to what's happening uh, on the other side of the Irish Sea right now. But um, no, that that bond that they, those two have is very strong, and and it is great that that Aiden was was he was the one laying down on the wire to let Ryan Moore walk over it. Um, and it's intriguing with her because there's there's a subplot here in that she gets supplemented for the race, and yes. as you know, uh, Oshin having written for Aiden, and, and no doubt you'll do so for many more years. Um, he and Coolmore's ethos is all about stallions for the future. And this the Irish Derby is a stallion-making race. But changing of the guard was rushed to Royal Ascot uh, to, to make it there. Uh, he could have run in this race. They chose to go yeah. for the King Edward Seventh instead. Um, they didn't run Stone Age. It seems now that 10 furlongs is very much going to be his his uh, maximum distance from now on, uh, un- unless something changes with him physically over the, the next few seasons. I imagine he'll stay in training next year. They don't really seem to have uh, a massive amount of strength and depth in the middle distance department. No, but you go through stages of that. You know, like the pedigrees are there and, and uh, a lot of those horses are related to champions and I'm afraid you, it can just be like that. You know, they they seem strong in the two-year-old division and uh, Kiprios looks like the stare that everyone's going to be looking forward to watching running over the next while. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the King George picture, uh, you're trying to see what they might run and, and just further on races that we're used to seeing them really having strong chances in, but um, that will change, you know, it'll change again. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would imagine a little bit of a break now for for Tuesday and possibly back for the Yorkshire Oaks. Maybe they'll rush her to the that Irish Oaks. That would make sense. But I would say no, the yeah, Yorkshire something Oaks. something like that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah which, absolutely. Which, by the way, if she wins that, she's back in contention for the Ark again. So Precisely, yeah. And yeah. she'll be hard... She'll be hard to beat there. Um, but Westover, very, very exciting. You Ultimately, though, you, you would go St. Ledger with him. I think so, yeah. I mean, Rafe as well is a traditionalist. And I think the Judman team, you know, there's no doubt. Look, why, why can't they win a Ledger and then come back and train the horse at four and win a mile and a quarter group one or, you know, win a couple of them with him? Like, they're not... They're not under severe pressure. Um, they have some superstars. They've got his sire, Frankel, and they've got Kingman. And they have Beitha Brett, who's doing okay as well at the moment. Um, you know, they're they they are not struggling for horses. And uh, Frankel and Kingman aren't that old. So um, I don't think they'll be panicking. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they will either. Um, no, a, a good day all round for for the team. Uh, we'll we'll move to the the feature race then on the Sunday at the Curra, which was the Pretty Polly um, Group One, and uh, Le Petit Coco uh, drifted out to nines. Paddy Toomey was very confident that she'd win, and that's exactly what she's done. Uh, beats William Haggis's Maestra. There is controversy yeah. though in that Russ Carberry ends up getting disqualified. We'll, we'll chat about that in a second. But Le Petit Coco, daughter of ruler of the world, uh, she was terrific here. I thought. Yeah, so Ruler of the World was probably the first proper horse I ever rode work. And that was thanks to Aiden. He allowed me to gallop him on soft ground on the grass one day. And he went miles clear of the group. And uh, sure, I had no idea really what I was sat on, but I knew it was fast. And um, and yeah, uh, this filly has been expertly campaigned. Can, can I ask uh, you, Oshin, just before you, you go on to talk about Le, Le Petit Coco, just... 
to get a, an insight into the stallion. Was this before he raced? Yeah, yeah, he had an injury too, and towards the back end of the season, he got going again, and uh, yeah, he he felt like an absolute machine, you know. But I was fifteen or sixteen years of age; I didn't really know um, much about uh, superstar horses, but I, I wanted to learn about them. Yeah, and of course, he would end up being the Derby winner, and he'd win uh, the Arc the Trial in, in well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was a he was a class act in his day for for a horse who didn't race very often. Uh, yeah. Um, so talk to me then about Le Petit Coco. She's she's taking her her sire's uh, a lot of a lot of her sire's class. Yeah, uh, I think she's been incredibly handled. You know, she she's won four out of five starts for Paddy Toomey. Um, well, she, I don't know if it's four out of five or five out of six, but she's only been beaten once. Um, she's literally improved with every start. I thought Billy gave her a lovely, positive ride. I remember watching her beat Love last year, and I thought, God, Love might be at her best, but you know they chose a good spot there for her. They're making her a very valuable filly. Um, he, yeah, I mean, he's. I don't know Paddy Toomey, but he operates at an incredibly high strike rate. I know where his stable is, and I admire him. Uh, he's doing amazing stuff, really. Yeah, he's just—he's not far from from Blake in Tipperary. I think Blake could could see his his horses yeah. working from uh, from Blake Manor. Um, and <laughs> so, like we we talked about him. Oh, we talked about him probably five years ago. Like we were we were just very excited by by this. Uh, uh, this trainer coming th- coming through, and obviously it's it's still very early days in, in his career. Mm. But God, he he um, he attracts the the big owners. He he does remarkably well with the the team he has, and he's terrific yeah. at placing them as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know much about his operation. I know it's in Golden and County Tipperary, so basically between Aidan O'Brien's and Tommy Stacks, and um, or closer to Tommy Stacks or Fuzzy Stacks. And uh, yeah, I, I, what a what a man! I mean, the partnership he has with Billy Lee seems uh, like something you dream of, and um, and they're hitting the target regularly. Yeah, and uh, and Billy Lee doing the business for him as well as as you say. Uh, the, this controversy then, uh, which Paddy Toomey is going to appeal, um, they paid a 30,000 euro supplementary fee for Russ Carberry uh, to run in the race. She ends up coming back weighing in light, but this is something that Paddy Toomey is, is going to fight. What did you make of how all of this yeah, play, played out? Look, listen to Paddy Toomey, the clock of the scales, uh, scale scale might have been off. Um, the way I uh, listened to the situation was Wayne was on the scales and uh, the clock of the scales said you need to take five pounds out. Uh, Wayne took the five pounds out, got back on the scale, weighed out, and uh, when he came back in, they are saying he was five pounds light. Um, so it's interesting. That's thank goodness has never happened to me. Uh, if there was some error, I feel for everyone. Uh, you know, it's not something you want to happen, and particularly when they supplemented Ross Carberry, that it cost a few quid, and it was also great bit of placing to to get her third in a in a group one. Um so I feel I just think it's a nightmare and I hope they can rectify it, but it won't be easy. You know, if she carried five pounds less than she was supposed to in the race, well then she wouldn't have finished third. Uh I I don't know what they're gonna do. It's a very, very tricky one. Uh 
Um, it, it does appear as though the the um, the clerk of the scales does need to to be properly questioned on this because if he's telling Wayne Lorden you're five pounds too heavy, but then you're coming yeah. back in and you're five pounds light, uh, you know, there's thirty grand been paid to supplement this horse. They've lost money. Yeah, and Kevin, just like I know from riding a little bit in Ireland, you know, the valets, uh, they try and send you out the correct weight and it would be unlikely you'd be a full five pounds wrong because uh, they've, they're have they looking at the same race card that the clock of the scales and everyone else is looking at. Uh, you might be half a pound wrong or something because they're so busy, um, you know, or there might be a small discrepancy between the scale in the weighing room and the scale uh where the clock of the scale sits um but it's unlikely it would be five pound wrong you know so um it's just i say it's interesting but for the wrong reasons um unfortunately yeah yeah it's also highly unlikely that a jockey of wayne lorden's experience is going to balls that up as well I, I mean he would know at the time of the day so something's not quite right a uh, thunder kiss ends up getting third so that looks great on her page. Yeah, yeah for yeah. for George Hurd, a terrific weekend. Um, but this daughter to see the stars, as I was saying, the owners lost three k. Uh, they've now ended up losing the thirty grand because you're only getting twenty seven for third. But it's the value to her her page is is what's sure. so important here. So it's a mess and it needs to be sorted out because the owner's not happy. Uh, Paddy Toomey's not happy. But I don't know how they how they reverse it unless the, the clerk of the scales says oopsie. Uh, and look, we'll have to see how that plan pans out. Um, right, I don't know if the work experience kid was using the Racing Post's uh, Twitter, but greatest flat performance of all time. Okay, cam, hey, cam, 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 calm down now. Calm down now. Uh, yeah. Tru Northumberland played. Terrific stuff. He was beaten off a lower weight last year. Great ride mm. from Holly Doyle. Uh, break it down for us and, and then talk to me about this greatest race of all time. Ugh. Well, firstly, they're trying to create a headline and of course they are because and they've been successful because we're talking about um, You know, the fact is uh, it was a wonderful performance and he's a top class animal but, you know, we all expected him to win. Uh, he's better than those horses. You know, I obviously I know Spirit Mixer quite well and, um, he Spirit Mixer is getting a lot of weight off him, but uh, at this very moment, Spirit Mixer isn't uh, a Group One performer, and and Trushan very much is. Uh, so you know, realistically, I'd say what you want about weight, but um, class is class. Uh, I thought Holly gave him a very good ride, uh, sensible on a stiff track like Newcastle, sit in a little bit, and uh, and. Don't get there too soon. Um, I thought it was a good. Uh, she used her brain. She did. Uh, it also got a little bit rough there. Um, yeah, it's going to though. You know those big slow horses falling back into your lap, and uh, it's a long way around there on a stiff track and competitive sort of race. She if, at one time I was concerned about Alan King's other runner, Rainbow Dreamer. If he was, if he uh, shifted right at all, and she had to, her momentum had to stop. I mean, that could have actually been enough to stop her winning the race. But those are the sort of split-second decisions that sometimes go right for you, and and when they do, it's all good. But if they don't, uh, you know, you can look silly, and you can be responsible for the horse not winning. Yeah, um, she had to get busy on him five furlongs out, and and that's kind of where they got a little bit snatched up, uh, and then. 
a furlong out, you know, even two furlongs out. She's having to work really mm. hard on the horse. Uh, I, I love this performance. And, and look, I, I was raving about it. I was presenting TalkSport 2's coverage of, of the racing on Saturday, and uh, which is always a pleasure. And, and I was blown away by, by what he did. Um, there is a line, though, even in the Racing Post's uh, analysis of the race where they say he's missed the Gold Cup uh, due to the fast ground, but he's surely enhanced his reputation even more than if he'd won that race. Come on, man! That's the Gold Cup! What are you talking yeah, I about? Don't, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I don't. I know the second horse, and um, and look, it is what it is, and people are entitled to their opinion. Yeah. Um, he's given him two stone. Uh, in, in, can I just ask you about weight? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a Group One performer. He's already proven that. So, Ruby Walsh said at a Cheltenham preview, and and to be fair, he may very well have a very different opinion now. But it was probably ten years ago, and somebody was asking him about a horse that he was going to ride at Cheltenham, who was carrying top weight, and was like, oh, "Is he not going to get burdened down?" And he said. The further you go, the less weight matters. It's about the class of the horse. They can either do it or they can't, but I wouldn't turn around and say weight was an excuse. Uh, now, that's what he said then, and I remember going, huh, that's interesting. He said, have you ever seen? Have you ever been ups- upside a horse? And he's right. Horses are big, powerful animals. Is, is that amount of weight really going to be the difference between winning and losing when it comes to a group one performer? Yeah, I, I didn't think so. You know, I, I thought he, if everything went right for the horse, he'd be able to lump that weight. Uh, look, they say weight stops trains. I don't know enough, really. I, mean, I haven't ridden many top weights to handicap victories. Uh, and, you know, I, do, I honestly don't really know. I, I was given an interesting stat a couple of years ago that might not be as valid now, but, like, in, in handicaps, uh, basically the top, third of the weights win like 75% of, of handicaps and in Britain and I thought that was interesting and it kind of makes sense you know the best horses are the highest rated ones and uh, and they're the t- they tend to be the ones that win the races you know yeah um, obviously you have exceptions horses coming in there unexposed off light weights that are way better than their mark that that happens but um, yeah, Listen, it's a performance that will live long in the memory. But the idea that it's like greatest, greatest performance in a race ever is just a, it's a bit much. And uh, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even even to then try and say like this is greater than winning the Gold Cup. No, it's not. No, it's mm-hmm. not. But it will be fascinating to see Kiprios and Trushan and Stradivarius, whoever is going to be on board him. Dun dun dun! Uh, it will be very interesting to see these horses clash, and uh, and and we'll see then. And when Kiprios spanks them, uh, the Racing Post will have to just re-edit all this stuff afterwards. Uh, a shout out to, <laughs> to Hugo Palmer, by the way. I did an interview with him Saturday morning. He could not have been more bullish about Zafi. In the Good. In, yeah, <laughs> he was incredibly confident about him. I honestly, you know, on pedigree, you'd never think a horse like that would stay that far, you know. Uh, son of Zafini. um but uh, yeah, he he did very well, and look, he's proven himself. And he he's had the third and fourth in the Northumberland Plate as well, and he went to college in Newcastle, so uh, <laughs> it, it means it means an awful lot to him. Um, he's a Newcastle United fan, and uh, I just thought it was absolutely tremendous. He, the way he was he was so bullish, I actually said, you know what, mate, 
because I'd spoken with Paul Jacobs earlier that morning for for his uh, analysis of the day. And uh, he was like, I, I don't want to talk about the 255. It's muck. Mm. <laughs> and the more I went through the form, the more I was like, who the hell am I going for here? And so I actually just said to him, you know what, Hugo, you're so bullish about this. Let's just end the form study now. Zoffy wins. My producer, Zoffy. Ross Bellamy, goes and backs the horse. How much did I have on him? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh, what an idiot. Um, sometimes you just overcomplicate these races. Uh, and that yeah. was an example of it. All right, new market. There'll be a big storyline to come here. But first of all, Rebels Romance, a debut on turf. He was considered good enough at the start of the season to be Godolphin's number one for the Dubai World Cup. That did not work out. He was beaten 25 and 27 lengths, respectively. He was favorite for this race when we talked about it on Thursday. After the show came out, the market completely changed. Rebels Romance went to be the outsider of the field in Universal Order, who we liked, became favorite. But by the by the off time, and I remember this vividly, Rebels Romance was four to one as they were loading, goes off nine to four. Uh, do not tell me the Godolphin do not back their horses because they bloody well do. Um, this fella has come in for a massive amount of support and has blitzed the machine. Yeah, big good looking horse. And I think there are decent animals behind him. You know, Kamari, he was a Royal Oscar winner. Uh, stole, you know, decent yardsticks. Uh, I think this... Are, this Rebels Romance a bit better than a listed horse. Look, his dam was good. He's absolutely gigantic. Um, I've seen him win a couple of times. And, um, you know, he's lightly raced for a four-year-old. And I think he's on the up. Um, where they go next, I don't really know how good he is. He's still improving. It'd be interesting. Was he a horse that sent to Germany for one of those group races over there, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean... I, I've ridden in a couple of them before for Saeed and, and Charlie used to send horses there. Uh, it would make sense, you know, realistically. In time, I suppose he might be a horse for them to go back to Dubai with next year and they might be in too much of a rush with him. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's a fellow they'll give a go on the on the dirt for the British Cup Classic. Maybe they'll try and arc him that way. This is a listed race at Newmarket. I'm... I'm I don't want to be getting ahead of ourselves too much here, but it was such sure. a good it was such a good performance that I don't see why you wouldn't step on into strong group company on the international stage uh, next time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And the horse obviously doesn't mind uh, t- t- decent quick ground, you know. Although he's massive, he's he's built like a chaser. He really is a yeah. very impressive physical specimen. Uh, speaking of international globe trotting, Pogo. Uh, some listen. True Shan was a standout, and I'll be completely honest and say I went looking for value elsewhere because it seemed right. too obvious. Pogo has beaten Sunray Major and Lana Akesh last time out, and I was of the same mindset. It was like, well, I think Sunray Major would turn the form around. Um, and this fella and the market reacted the same way. He, he's uh, he's drifted out, um, but he's proven himself. Uh, immensely here. Uh, he's competed in Saudi Arabia, in Dubai, in Bahrain. He's a proper globetrotter, and now he's taken two nice prizes in, in the UK as well. He's a serious horse. Yeah, he's very, very tough. He's got a lot of gate speed. Uh, he likes to dominate. He tries very hard, and um, he's been a very good horse to Kieran Schumacher. I actually won a handicap off him, on him sorry, ages ago um, at Class 2, and I thought you know that's his sort of level and his form. Uh, didn't hold up after that, and um, 
yeah, I mean, he's managed to recapture and improve an awful lot. He's a six-year-old. I mean, he's extraordinary. Small horse so with a big heart. Uh, small horse, big heart, and a whole lot of talent as well. It is Pogo who gets the better of, of Sunray Major. Um, then at the Curra, the Gain Railway Stakes, uh, this is what we were I was kind of alluding to with you earlier on about uh, horses acting up and, and doing a bit of show jumping. Yeah, Black, Blackbeard. Blackbeard yeah. must have been doing some dressage <laughs> because he was dancing down at the start and he was a nightmare uh, for Ryan Moore and for the stall handlers. He was bucking out, he was kicking. He could have done serious damage to somebody. Um, yeah, he had a few bites at people. Look, uh, you know, some good horses get a little bit angry like that. Um, you know, in the race and everything, he doesn't pose any problems. And uh, and I don't think it's anything we need to panic about. It's interesting to notice. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to train it out of him either. Um, I would imagine that's kind of just the way he is before he races. And... Uh, yeah, it was a shame he didn't go on and win, but I was delighted to see Shartash win, really. I think the young rider is, is really going places, uh, Ben Cohen. Uh, he won a small field, but a decent race. He beat Asia Kings at Nace the time before, and I thought he got a clever ride, a real clever ride, and I was pleased he got up on time. You know, those sort of winning those sort of races when you ride like that is great confidence. Ben Cohen took his time, dragged him back and produced him at precisely the right time and uh, he got it right. So big pat in the back to him. And Johnny Murta was talking to Nick Luck on Racing TV and he was saying that it's a very unusual situation for the Aga Khan team to be in because Johnny was ringing and saying, I want to enter this fellow in the Phoenix. Like, yeah. What? what? Uh, an Aga Khan bred horse that's showing this much speed at two. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's an unusual situation for, for them to be in, but he does have that speed. He is very exciting. He's an invincible spirit out of a Dubawi mare. And the ultimate aim for Johnny, as, as long as he can get there and keep him sound, is, is the 2,000 guineas. And um, you, you can see yeah. it. That speed is there. Yeah, it's a long way away. And the horse isn't massively scopy, but he's big enough. Uh Invincible Spirit doesn't need any introduction. Um, you know, he put Sire Kingman and so many good fillies. Uh, I mean, he honestly, he's been at the Irish National Stud for many years. I remember seeing him ages ago and being very impressed. And uh, lovely to see Johnny to have a good one for the Aga Khan, who we saw him team up to such success when he was riding. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous stuff. I was remember being at... Uh the royal meeting with him and the ed made a joke afterwards uh because he was interviewing actually it was the derby he was interviewing the aga khan uh on on derby day at epsom and uh the director was saying ask him if he'll train one for you and johnny yes. johnny just kind of just went back to you ed and Ed was saying to, afterwards, and, and he said it on air, but he said it in the production meeting afterwards. He was like, why didn't you ask him to send a couple to you? Put him on the spot on air. Uh, but he's, <laughs> he's getting them on merit, and, and he deserves it. And look, Johnny made it very clear about two years ago, he doesn't want to be known as Johnny Murta, incredibly legendary jockey. He wants to be known as Johnny Murta, trainer. Uh, yeah. And he's getting that recognition for, for all the hard work. I mean, Caroline, um, when, when Betfair were involved with the show, uh, before better offers came along, um, uh, <laughs> Caroline uh, was was talking about the amount of work and effort that goes on there, and 
look, he's learned from the best as well. He's learned from Aidan O'Brien, from from John Ox, and he's clearly using all of that uh, knowledge um, combined with his own skills to become an incredibly talented trainer. Yeah, yeah. No, I take my hat off to him. I spent a morning riding out with him this winter, and uh, I'll definitely go back there again. Um, you know, I, I thought he was terrific as a jockey, someone I idolised. I'm um, thrilled that they're getting the quality of horse they need to, to compete at the top level. He's a class act. Uh, he's a lovely guy to work with as well. I, I did the last ATR shift from Dundalk uh, with Johnny Murta, and he... He's just such a cool guy and uh, really, really enjoy talking to him. Um, it's terrific that he's got this horse and, and best luck to him going forward. I think the Phoenix is going to be a, a difficult race for everybody uh, with this fella in the lineup. That being said, with the way Blackbeard acted beforehand, it, it's interesting to, to hear you say, I don't see how they get that out of him. Um, Little Big Bear is, is to come and he looks a very exciting prospect, particularly when you look at that overhead uh, footage of him winning, winning at Royal Ascot. Um you understand when you look at the drone footage just how much ground he made up there. So it's it's going to be an exciting race with with Little Big Bear coming in to take on uh, Shartash. Yeah, yeah. No, look, uh, these races have taken some winning over the past however long it's existed. Some absolute superstars have won it in the past, and um, you know I wouldn't like to nail any horse to the mast at the moment. But I just love the competition in Ireland. There's Couple of stables uh, that we always expect to be to be winning these races, but then like Aidan O'Brien, Dermot Weld, and Gerlines, but then there are guys coming through with the quality that they need to compete. Uh, spot on. Um, just w- w- final word on uh, Blackbeard because I do feel as though he did yeah. throw it away at the start. Is is that going to be a concern now going forward with him? No, no. I think they'll just take him down as late as they can and keep it. Uh, keep him as chilly as possible and you know like getting that kind of angry is never ideal but it won't stop him from running in the race you know Um, I think that's the key we must remember that he's not actually dispelling that much energy it's just uh, you want them to focus and and relax and kind of concentrate on the task in hand Um, but you can't you can't go pulling and dragging out of him to make him do that. It kind of has to be his own idea, you know? Mm. Um, so I, I don't think they'll be they'll be getting too, focusing too much on and getting too stressed out about it. It kind of is what it is. Yeah, uh, 100%, my friend. And it's going to be interesting to see how all of these horses develop. I, one of the things I love about flat racing as well is all of these exciting, uh, talented juveniles coming through and who knows how... Who knows uh, how high they can reach. Uh, same applies to Statuette. They were talking about the Guineas after this performance. Um, don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, but she's the daughter of, of Justify um, out of Immortal Verse, which makes her a, a half to Tenebrisium, uh, or Tenebrism, yeah. whichever the pronunciation tenebrism. is. Yeah, tenebrism. tenebrism. Yeah. There we go. We're, we're there now. Uh, look, Aiden talked about just how much he loves this filly in the Royal Ascot preview. They waited for as long as they could to to get her to run there. They felt the ground was was just a little bit too firm and that she hadn't quite come out of the race, uh, that she would need a little bit more time. So they've they've come here instead and she has bolted up. Yeah, she's a beautiful type. Uh, I mean, when we say we she bolted up, and to the eye, I don't think she's that impressive. But I think if you go another furlong, uh, she'd have won by five. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. 
like uh, he never had to get that serious with her and it was never in doubt. Um, I think she's a filly that will definitely improve for going further and improve with time. Uh, she, you're watching her walk. She's an absolute beauty. She really oversteps from behind and uh, everything is moving. You know, she's very, very fluid. Uh, so I, I enjoy watching a horse like that. Uh, I love the way she puts her head down and she relaxes and she does everything. And I hope she continues to improve it. To be honest, like those are the sort of horses that make watching uh, top quality flat racing enjoyable. And we can get on the the kind of international story being by Justify, who obviously won a triple crown. He was by Scat Daddy. Uh, then No Name Ever is by Scat Daddy, but Justify and Scat Daddy aren't, uh, they're completely different type of horses. You know, No Name Ever was a very sharp, strong, powerful sprinter. Justify was a, you know, a middle distance type of horse uh, with a lot of height and scope. And, you know, it's just nice to see to see this sort of thing emerging. Yeah, they were actually concerned about the ground before, but she she's handled it well. And, and to, to emphasize again, when I say bolted up, I'm very much in the mindset of, of view that if this was if this was a, a slightly further distance, um, six and a half, seven, she just wins in cruise control. And I, I felt she was always going to win. Um, yeah. And look, there's there's some exciting horses in, in behind her there, like Zerinsk uh, and Jorlines had a great weekend. Yeah, they think yes, an awful yes. lot of that filly, and she's buried her, um, and she's handled the ground as well. And and to hear Aiden talking about the beautiful mind that she has, the great stride, the unbelievable physique, she's she's a horse. It's hard not to get excited about. Whether or not you want to be taking the current prices on offer for the one thousand guineas, I don't know, uh, but no. I, I suspect that she'd be very very hard to beat in the Moigler. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Statuette. Um, there was a very strange thing that happened uh, at the Curra on Saturday. The second last and last in the St. James's Palace Stakes both won on the card, uh, starting with Wex- starting with Wexford Native. And um, I'm almost reluctant to say this publicly, but yeah, let's go for it. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, Jim Bulger was asked by Nick Look, uh, was it just throwing a dart, sending him to Royal Ascot? To which Jim Bulger replied, no, I thought he'd win. And they did. They did think, they did think that. Um, but it just all went wrong at the start. Uh, he was a very backward type uh, as a juvenile. He had a bit of a setback, so it, it's taken him a while to, to get him right. But he's getting there. Uh, you know, there's, there wasn't that much between him and Native Trail in the Irish 2000 Guineas, and I, I thought this was a, a, a smart performance as well. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I thought it's brave and incredible uh, management to get a horse from going over to Ascot from Ireland, running, uh, getting them home again in one piece and preparing them to win a group race. I mean, it's it's very difficult thing to do. Uh, and yeah, I tip my hat at both Jim Bulger, first year Wexford native, and Aidan O'Brien with Ackle. Uh, th- those sort of things I would be fearful of doing myself as a trainer because I suppose if it goes wrong, uh, you've got to take the blame. Um but uh, those guys obviously are are well conditioned at at you know dealing with the highs and the lows, and um, and they both made the right call. Yeah, it was terrific to see uh, Wexford Native in, in the winners' enclosure, and and then Ical, wow! Uh, so he ended up being last 
Uh, and again, Aidan O'Brien was in, this is in, in Royal Ascot, and Aidan O'Brien was, was saying to Nick Luck afterwards that they, um, they, he just got a little bit fired up. Uh, it was his first run of the season, and once it was very apparent to Ryan that things weren't going to go right for him, he just decided to, to nurse him home. Um, he's won in very authoritative manner, though, here in over 10 furlongs in Group 3 company, uh, to such an extent that they might have been thinking, should we run him in the derby? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they uh, they might have been thinking that, but obviously before that, um, they were very focused on sort of a mild campaign. And where will they go next with him? You know, it'd be interesting. I, I don't think the race was that strong, but he couldn't have done it any easier. And it was a very uh, confident ride from Ryan Moore, you know? Yeah, he's entered in a, in a group three in July. He's also got the... Uh, Qatar Sussex Stakes and the Irish Champion Stakes as as potential entries, but maybe they go pot hunting internationally with them. That's something I would be very much prepared to do. Um, and uh, he was fourth in the Group One in France last season, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't be fearful of of where they go next. But it was very unusual that an Aidan O'Brien Ryan Moore horse returns twenty to one um, and wins. So. Fair, fair play to those who kept the faith. Um, I didn't, but if you were on board, well done. Uh, Sense of Duty takes the Group 3 at Newcastle uh, for William Haggis and Tom Marquand. Um, Haggis continues to be in tremendous form, uh, and he really, she bounds away from them, winning by four and a half lengths. Yeah, she was nearly going to be unlucky at Haydock, and she got up on the line. She's a fast improver. I love the way he's uh, he's managed her. You know, he's spaced out her races. She's stepped up with every start, and she looks like a proper one. She couldn't have done it any more impressive. You know, slightly, uh, I would just consider that, remember, that was on the all-weather at Newcastle, and everything went perfectly in a competitive sort of uh, black-type race on turf. It mightn't be as easy for her, but uh, the way she's improving, she really could be a star, and um, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. You know, I think she's at the right trip. He'll obviously want to step her up in grade, but uh, she might have to take on older horses later on. You know, will she go to France for something? I don't know. Maybe the Primorce de Geese or something like that. Yeah, they may very well be forced into going for a Group One next, but. Yeah, would make sense, you know, six and a half furlongs, it would make sense, something like that. Yeah, William Haggis said, we'll plot carefully, but we'll be positive, so they'll definitely be heading for a group one next. Uh, and then Frankie de Tori hasn't been, yeah. hasn't been anything said about Frankie recently. Uh, Lazoo wins the, the listed race, the Maureen Britain Memorial uh, Empress Philly Stakes. Yeah, incredible, you know, really from Frankie, like... Uh, <laughs> He he's in the headlines and uh, he goes there and he manages to do that uh, on his only ride of the day on a filly that wasn't you know that strong in the betting and it looked like the George Bowie filly um, for Kildare Stud was away and gone and uh, the acclamation um, and uh, yeah he ran her down look um, you know you never want to see relationships uh, under a bit of strain. Um, you know, I, I haven't spoken to Frankie and I haven't spoken to uh, Sadie or John, um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes in for those uh, better rides and whether Frankie will still ride in spiral. Um, I mean, I I suspect, and I'm guessing, but I suspect he'll, he'll keep riding in spiral. Um, and yeah, he... he 
he said he's going to be busy over the next month with foreign action. But once he returns, there'll be lots of guys, lots of trainers, um, male and female, uh, that we want to support him. You know, he when he's hungry and uh, riding well, he's a guy that uh, every other jockey uh, wants to be. And and when they're, you know, when he's in a race with you, you fear him. Um, he can get results out of horses that no one else can. And uh, yeah, he, I, I think he's, da- when Frankie has a point to prove, he's dangerous, you know, and I mean that like he, he will, he could be riding better than ever over the next couple of months. We Time will tell, but he'll obviously need to get on the right horses. But remember, we wrote his career off before um, and he found the Al Shakab job and you know he's ridden for all these big uh, owners before. No doubt they might want him to be riding their horses. Yeah, that was kind of one of the things I was saying on Talksport on Saturday. Actually, is that he you know, he lost the Godolphin job. Uh, look, relationships change, people change, um, yeah. dynamics change. It's just business. It's uh, life. Yeah, it's it's life. Yeah. It's business. It's work. It's it's friendships. That's just the way things go. People people change. People. Um, you know, things that, that worked very well before don't work uh, a year later. You, you need to be you need to be able to to be fluid when it comes to these kind of things. Um, this whole line that they're taking a sabbatical. I mean, let's let's just remind everybody, and I'm pretty certain that all of our listeners are very well well informed on this. But just in case, um, the fact that Frankie Dettori is making a phone call Thursday morning to, to John Gosden and doesn't get a reply, and then his manager sees Holly yeah. Doyle and James Doyle jocked up, and they don't have a conversation then till the Friday, where they yeah. say the sabbatical. Like this is this is done, Oshin. Like they're they're they are now. It's over. I, I don't see. Well, I I think we might have been a little bit misinformed there. You know, um, there's no doubt that there was perhaps a lack of uh, lack of communication but um but um i i don't know if if pete burl is is frankie's manager uh when it comes to like media stuff and all that but uh he doesn't live in newmarket and he doesn't um he doesn't really uh frequent the gallops that often and he definitely doesn't book frankie's rides or speak to uh the racing offices uh so I, I just I feel like we need to understand those comments. Um, you know, uh, mightn't be as uh, direct from the horse's mouth as as they may seem. Mm, well, he should have shut up then. He shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> that's the case. Like it's <laughs> it's a silly yeah, thing to well, say because you're putting yeah. pressure on the Goslins and you're putting pressure on on Frankie. That's exactly look what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. There was pressure on them as a result of those comments. Yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. help anybody, and it it actually makes it look worse for Frankie. You're not helping yeah. your client with, with that. Line. No, 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 precisely. Yeah, precisely. Um, but you you understand where I'm coming from. Oh, yeah. with all those with all those facts. Yeah, and the listeners, you can see. Um, where I'm coming from. I mean, uh, Emily Upjohn uh, slipped in the stalls. Um, you know, I think she'd have won the Oaks. Uh, Lord North, the blind was tucked in, and it's happened to me before. I haven't talked it out enough um, in the gate, and it's taken a second pull to get it off, and and that's a, a real nightmare. And, you know, just these sort of things... Uh, 
they can happen on in class six cards and no one notices um but you don't want them to happen in the big races that's doesn't matter you know who you are the, the, those sort of things are very frustrating very much so um in in some ways like there is this uh line out there and, and a viewpoint which i get that in fact actually asking hugo palmer about it uh, just to get his yeah. take because obviously and I, i'm very much aware but I, I wasn't sure whether or not hugo was going to lean into it um but he said that frankie was responsible for two of the best days of his life uh we, we obviously with, with galileo gold now yeah you know, obviously hugo did an awful lot of work there but he he loves him and, and he's he wants to use him as, as much as he can um yeah but i'm the, sure look yeah and the, the bottom line is most owners uh like a massive USP is the fact that, uh, you know, you can have one of the best jockeys in the world. For me, he's just incredible. He's outstanding um, to ride your horses. And, uh, you know, Hugo and other big trainers uh, will be making full use of that while they can. And at the end of the day, uh, Frankie keeps the ride on inspiring and wins more group ones on her. Um, maybe the relationship uh, that was so successful over the last few few years will rebuild. I mean, uh, that will take time or whatever. But you know, I could I could see that I could genuinely see that happening. Um, you know, if if things went right with the important sort of horses. But let's see. Yeah. Um. You mentioned Frankie keeping the ride on in spiral. Uh. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? Uh, the, the Thompsons I, and Julie Park will want to keep him. Yeah, I, th- I think he's had a lot of success for them um, over the last couple of years. I mean, uh, Ryan obviously has also, as have I. Um, but, um, but yeah, Frankie has been doing it for them for 30 years and I don't think they'll see the need um, to really replace him. But I'm guessing, I, I just, those sort of things cross my mind and I'm, I'm obviously uh, not in the situation. Um, I'm just, I'm just speaking uh, how I see it, you know. Yeah, because it's an, it's an interesting viewpoint. And I, I don't disagree with it, but I just wanted you to expand on it. Uh, the reason yes. the reason I say that yeah. is because there haven't been owners at Gosden's coming out questioning this or saying, "Well, we we still want to use Frankie." Like Emily Upjohn's owner has come out and said, "Well, we trust Gosden's are the best, and we trust them to get the right jockey." Uh, Bjorn Nielsen doesn't want him on at all. I mean, that that's very clear. I don't think he wanted him on uh, even going up to Royal Ascot, and he was fuming, he was seething uh, with what happened in Stradivarius. Um, and, and other owners aren't coming out, stepping out of line and going, no, 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 we, we want Frankie on board. They're, they're trusting the Gosdens to do what, what's right. And I, I see that as a very interesting angle in all of this, that no one is yeah. coming out to, to rush to his defense and go, ah, no, we, we want Frankie still on board. I don't think there's any need to, you know, like... Uh, there was plenty made of it in the press and I suppose the owners that kind of still want Frankie, it won't be an issue. Um, and, uh, and the owners that would, would prefer to use someone else, then that's fine as well, you know, and it's fine now, particularly that it's all been made out in the open that he's not going to ride, uh, everything. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Do you think if Frankie had, had come out after the Stradivarius ride and said, look, I could have done better there, but what a great horse. Instead, he just talked about what a great horse he was. Last year, it was Dylan Brown McGonagall's fault. A, <laughs> a young kid gets bollocked by one of the greatest of all time. That doesn't help 
Dylan. I think Dylan just moved on from it. it was like, eh, whatever. Uh, you know, jo- this is the thing. Jockeys have a very, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing with, with Frankie. Like, I get how punters go, oh, what a legend. And I, I do that. And, and look, yeah. uh, hands up here. I'm, I have the briefest of cameos in, in the Dory documentary on Sky. Um, yeah. You know, briefest of cameos. Close your eyes for a second. <laughs> gone. Uh, but but still, I, I'm very honored to do that. I admire Frankie for, for all that he's done. I admire the way he's bounced back from losing the job at Godolphin, from how he bounced back from Al Shakab, uh, the work that he's done with Gosden. But I think if he had just said something critical about himself that day, Gosden might have had a very different attitude. But the next day, when Inspiral wins, it's that comment to, to Rishi. You know, Rishi says, what did Frankie have to say? He goes, well, when I finally got his attention, when he stopped doing his, his other job, which is waving to the crowd. You're getting stuck in. Bef- You've just won a group one. And you're, you're needling the jockey beforehand. Um, uh, you know, you're, not, you're not even going, well, you know, great ride from Frankie. And then say that. No, straight away you're having a pop. Uh, which just shows strain, frustration, uh, annoyance, uh, and then he kept that up, um, and it was there all last year as well. Like Frankie knows what John Gosden was saying about him after last year and throughout the entire season. Let's remember when the horse won at Doncaster, he said Rishi Basad, or it was, it was Francesca actually. Cheska asks, and what did Frankie have to say? And Gosden's response was, "Well, he's finally admitted it was his fault that he lost the Gold Cup. He was clinging on to it then." So Frankie knows all this, and he could have just gone, look, I could have been better there. But he didn't. He didn't even do that. Yeah, I suppose, look, for, for me, uh, I I just put my hands up when I feel like I've made an error. And uh, some jockeys have different approaches, and that's just the way I do it. And um, I try and keep the relationships, you know. I have, yeah, I... I'm younger, I suppose, and um, I do mess up. Uh, so I like just, you know, getting it out of the way rather than, um, rather than it becoming a big issue. And it's interesting the way different people do it. You put your hands up even when it wasn't your fault. Like, Cameco <laughs> wouldn't have got the Derby trip in a horse box, and yet you were bashing yourself uh, on social media in, in that video. So I, I admire all of that. Um, but I, I think that, that he, Frankie could have helped himself there. I don't think he helped himself at all. Uh, and, and look, it is, it's, it's not, well, let's be completely honest about it. It's great seeing this play out in public. We got the popcorn out, we got the butter, we got yeah. the salt on it. You know, just keep on going. Oh, yeah. What do you think now, Gustin? What do you think now? Frankie, what are you going to do? Uh, but <laughs> here's what I would say. Like, Mick Canan lost the job at, at Coolmore, and a lot of people thought that was him done. 2009, along come see the stars. He, he'd had a great career, even post Belly Doyle, came back and rode for them a few times, and then along come see the stars. Like, you don't know what's around the corner. Uh, Frankie's still going to ride winners. Gosden's still yeah. going to train winners. It all just keeps on going, but it is, it, it, it's the end as far as I can see it. Um, that, that's my view. Uh, the the Curra has a capacity of 30,000. They got 12,000 at the week. Actually, they got less than 12,000 uh, for, yeah, for the Irish sure. Derby. Okay. That's a shame. Eleven thousand three hundred is what they got. That's you're charging fifty quid, folks. That's what ends up happening. Yeah, yeah. I know. A shame. It's it really is. Yeah, they're they're saying that. Oh well, we don't have queues. <sighs> Come on, man. 
you, you need to be getting in people uh, into the. It's, it, as, as Richie Forrestal said, it's going to remain the great white elephant of, of Irish racing if, if they don't improve things pretty quickly. Uh, what was your highlight yeah. from the weekend, Oshin? Uh, Westover in the Irish Derby. I know yeah. it's not. Um, it's not very inventive, but uh, he was outstanding. You know. No, same for me. It has to be Westover. It's seven length winner of an Irish Derby. That's that's hugely yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, show jumping. How has that been been treating you? It looks like you're having a, a whale of a time. Yeah, I am. I love it. I've got nice horses, and um, it's been good fun. Uh, I actually had a fall at Hickstead, um, but I'm fine. Um, but, uh, you know, it's. I prefer if I didn't come off. Um, if I could stay on board, it'd be much better. What? Uh, where did that happen? What category? Uh, in the Hickstead Speed Derby. Um, so, yeah, uh, it wasn't the class I wanted it to happen in, you know. And. Up until that, I know you were excited about taking part in it, but up, on, up until the, yeah. the the fall, like how were things going in that event? Uh, I was clear and she'd been jumping great. I've got a couple of horses, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the video was actually doing the rounds on WhatsApp because I took the bridle and everything off me, off with me. And uh, it was very entertaining, uh, <laughs> but uh, I can promise you I was very, very embarrassed. Oh, listen, man, these things happen. Um, don't, don't worry about it. Nice, nice, though, that your colleagues are just passing the video around. Have you seen Ocean fall? The bridle comes yeah. off and everything. Um, what, what's what's next for you in the show jumping world? Um, I actually think I'll have a week or two off. And I was supposed to be going to Bowlesworth this week, but um, just trying to manage the horses as best we can and, and keep them all in good form. So they'll probably have this week off, you know. Well, it's a great thing to be doing, uh, and it's fantastic to see you still active with the the horses as well. And um, listen, the, it's it's going to be next season before before you even know it, my friend. And uh, and by then, it's you know you're you're back, and uh, that's something to look forward to. Plus, there won't be three hundred races taken out of the calendar. My goodness, what an absolute farce that! Horse I know, is. I know. Jesus. Uh. But uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on the track, my friend. And in, in the meantime, looking forward to chatting to you again on, on the final furlong uh, soon as well. Oshin, thanks so much for your company. Cheers, Eric. Uh, and thank you for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to Oshin's take uh, on the weekend's racing. I'm sure that you have. Uh, we've got our weekend preview on Thursday, as per usual, uh, and some special shows coming your way very soon as well. Take care. Be safe. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk.